Radio. This is Essie Jane and Patrick Glenn. And you're listening to Andras Jones on Radio, Radio 8-Ball. 8-Ball. It's just the normal noises in here. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball. Give us a shake. We're here on Feral Tempting Fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select here from Tom Petty's discography. And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and for this Radio 8 Ball episode, we are featuring the music of Tom Petty as the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. Unfortunately, we are not able to have Tom Petty here to perform them on his own, so I've gathered some of my favorite musicians from around Los Angeles to perform these songs and to give them life and to share their feelings about the music. And we also are joined by Paul Zolo, who wrote the book on and with Tom Petty about songwriting to lend integrity to these conversations. And uh, we're going to have a, we're going to we're going to engage a question. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask another question, basically. I'm going to do this a few times during the show to, you know, ask big-picture Tom Petty questions. And I'm actually going to read something I, I put out there. I, I really was hoping that we'd attract more than just guys to, to celebrate Tom Petty, but that's who responded. But I want to read my invite to the women out there to, to participate who, you know, didn't respond, but that's okay. <laughs> and I call it the Stevie question. Um... So Radio 8 Ball's Tom Petty tribute episode is coming together as, surprise, surprise, a big white sausage fest. It makes sense. The Heartbreakers infamously refused Stevie Nicks' membership when she proposed this very compelling idea, saying, according to their own documentary, basically, no chicks in the Heartbreakers. And, uh, you know, maybe this attitude, you could see this as an antiquated or sexist attitude, but at the same time, like Tom Petty's music, it's kind of awkwardly, awkwardly perfect and true. They were a band that knew what they were, and that's rare. And uh, Tom Petty and his mates did the full Lennon trip, from angry young fuckers to sensitive old men, and that's the trip they took us on. It's men's music from a good and inherently feminine male writer. Maybe the Heartbreakers were saying to Stevie, there's only room for one woman in the band, and that's Tom. Uh, hashtag Tommy, on a reference to Tommy and the Who. So check this out. Tom Petty, the guy who's saying, I won't back down, and walked his talk when confronted with the inherent racism that his use of the Confederate flag engendered, went out of his way to announce in Rolling Stone magazine, his generation's paper of record, that he was, quote, stupid to use it the way he did, and demanded his fans stop bringing it to his concerts. Now, this is an example, I think, of good men, strong, feminine men, knowing when to back down. And if you've read this far, maybe you're a Tom Petty fan. And maybe you're a woman. And maybe you're mad because to you, a Tom Petty tribute that's a totally white sausage fest is an insult to the memory of Tom Petty. If so, you're correct. And if that's the case, please tell me, us, why you should call in and be the person who asks the question, the Stevie question on this uh, episode. But we didn't get that call. Uh, And I think that there's, I mean, you can take that good or bad, but it leads me to this question is... I'm thinking about that. And I, I don't 
I don't mean to throw Tom Petty or his band under the bus. I had a band with Marshall. And was a, you know, even though even when the women were in the band, they didn't always feel comfortable or good there. Not like we were creepy, but it was just like it was a very masculine kind of space. Um, but goddamn the music that Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks made on those the two songs that they did do at that time. Stop dragging my heart around in the insider. If you can imagine a record, a Tom Petty record, a Heartbreakers record from that era where they just let Stevie Nicks be in the band for one album. It seems to me like a missed opportunity. So my question for Tom's spirit in the room is, uh, what would it have been like if Stevie Nicks had been a member of the Heartbreakers, even for a little while? And we're not going to answer it. We're going to use the, the pop oracle to okay. do it. But was all ready to talk You know, Paul it. was ready to jump in and bring, you know, do what he, he's supposed to do is lend some integrity to my mad, to the rantings of this madman. I can talk about how those duets came together because it's not exactly, I think, how people assume. Well, let, let's, do the, okay. let, let's do the musical divination and then we'll, it'll be part of the conversation. Cool. But I love having you here, Paul, because I, you can, just, I can see the <laughs> information's just like seeping out of your pores. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's like you're a living book. <laughs> so now uh, to engage my to engage the pop oracle in in uh, trying to find out the answer to what I am calling the Stevie question, mm. I'm now going to spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na, we love Oh, it landed on song number eight again, so we're going to now go to the cards. Ah, I was wondering what happened if this uh, comes up on a number we've hit before. Oh, yeah, this is a, we have a whole, there's a whole process to this. It's very exciting. So now we go to the cards. And now, to engage the pop oracle, you, Paul Zolo, mm. are going to help me by picking a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Oh, yeah. Song number six from the She's the One soundtrack. It is performed by Jeff Cleveland and Nate Hertwick. And the song is... Hung Up and Overdue. I'm so hung up I'm gonna go see her tonight I'm so hung up I can't get her out of my mind Could it be just stars in my eyes
That was Hung Up and Overdue from the She's the One soundtrack from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The answer to the Stevie question, what what uh, does Tom Petty's music and his spirit think about what it would have been like if Stevie Nicks had actually joined the Heartbreakers in like 1982, 83, at least for one record and a tour? And I thought there were some pretty interesting uh, answers in there. But uh, before we get into interpreting it, uh, Jeff and Nate... Uh, particularly Jeff, like, what was it that inspired you to pick this song? What is it about this song that's special for you? Well, the whole um, we're overdue for a dream come true mm-hmm. part, because, I mean, I don't know how all of your lives are going. My life's, <laughs> going, my life's going pretty well, but that sort of really, really hit me, because She's the One kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even know it was released, and somebody gave me like a cassette of it, and I was listening, I was like, oh, my God, there's so many great songs on this record. It's, it's unbelievable, and I think one night late, alone at home I was listening to it and I was like 
overdue for a dream come true, you know, and just, she said she was going to move to California one day. I mean, that's when, for me, he stopped being like a big rock and roll pop star. I mean, yeah, pop star, but he, he can be like the most a sensitive adult, if you could call me an adult, but I can just really relate to what he was really speaking to me more than when I heard like Refugee or in the early albums and and it just it just blew me away. And that whole record just is I think it might be my favorite record of his. I mean there's so many great songs on there. And I don't even yeah, I never saw the movie that it was based on. I never, Most people didn't. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, I guess Jennifer Anderson was somehow involved. But Yeah, Ed know, Burns film yeah, uh, directed. But I love I love you know, the song Walls of course and mm. And like you know, zero from outer space. You know, just supernatural yeah. radio. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's just a really, really great record. That it was like he sort of decided, I'm not going to promote everything like I used to. Although I guess there was the video, but it wasn't blasted at you on the airwaves like a lot of his earlier stuff was. Like before Wildflowers, and um, you know, I heard that that one song that really stuck with me. And Nate and I have been playing it live for you know. Yeah, I mean, as duets go, when I first met Jeff, it was one of the first songs we played together. And I'd never heard it, because, again, I was I was like, I didn't that album miss me somehow? And, and he said, no, so you got to get into this track. And yeah, but like we're talking about, this whole show is about like hidden track songs that were not his top 40 yeah. or 50 yeah. graces. And how could that not be one of his top 10 greatest songs? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe. I mean, we're overdue for a dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. I, find I, mean, I mean, is there anybody here who is not yeah. overdue yeah. for a dream yeah. come true? And I find Tom is exceptional in that way that there's so many of those songs that had they been released as singles or with MTV videos, they would yeah. have been hits. Yeah. So many of those. Yeah. Yeah, with promotion behind them or whatever it was. Sure. It was sure. just that those singles were chosen to be singles, but these are strong songs. Like, yeah. that could have definitely yeah. been a hit. There's so many of those. Well, and Wall's off that same album. I mean, we play that song every week, and there, there was a video for that. I think that was the one song that got right. some love is the lead track, and we sing that one a lot. You know, that that album was uh, was for the movie, so it didn't get promoted like one of his normal albums. And he felt it doesn't bad even about say, it. It just says, from the movies, she, she's the one, and doesn't even say, Tom Benny and the Heartbreakers. Right. Yeah, you know, she, it's like, I, was like, I was like, is this the right one? Like, I've been right. by the seas. Is this what I want to buy? Is this, and is that, this like movie, movie music? <laughs> yeah, or is this, yeah. is this <laughs> the song? Yeah. A Cause lot of Tom, people have that cause problem. Tom, I guess he was so impressed by the movie that he sort of stepped back and said, inspired to write songs about it but wasn't like well what happened really was that that was a really tough time in his let life let me defer to, to <laughs> the expert that's after he left his first wife Jane and moved into what was called the chicken shack this little shack off of Sunset Strip and he was not happy during that period that was a dark time in his life that song actually was written though for Wildflowers and was left off of Wildflowers if you can imagine that they left that off wow. and uh, <laughs> as Tom said to me he said I, he, that he thought it was the best song on, on She's the One but she's the one he felt bad that it didn't get promotion, it didn't get the attention that he felt it deserved. Because there's a lot of great stuff on there. Yeah. Um, so going to to my question, you had mm -hmm. some idea, some some historical background on the time when Stevie Nicks. Now I I, I remember this from the movie. I mean, this was in Running Down a Dream, where she's they basically like she was like following him around and she wanted to join the band and they were basically like, no, no, no chicks in the band basically. <laughs> Not, maybe they didn't say chicks, but th that was—it's the—that's the idea. And figuring right. about that time, I mean, that was—it was, was not—it was not an unreasonable thing for a group of guys to say to any to like in their guys band. That's what they'd been for a long time. Sure. 
at this point, like 10 years, maybe not 10 years, but, you know, they've been playing together since the early 70s. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you say you have some more insight well, into that. Well, you know, there's many reasons why, why they come to that idea that no chicks in the band. Number one, that they base themselves on the Beatles more than anything. Right. And that was kind of the thing. This is something guys do. Right. Hopefully chicks will be involved. That's always part of the idea, <laughs> but not maybe singing. Backstage. You know, when they had Yoko maybe. sing, that was kind of, you know, sacrilege at first. Mm-hmm. So there was that. But number two, Tom really loved Stevie and was really impressed by her singing. I said, could she just sing great on anything? And she was like, yeah, she's amazing. You know, her, her harmony and her passion with singing is so great and her ability to lock vocals like that. So uh, she was with Jimmy Yovine. You know, he was producing her album and Tom's, and, they, and Stevie and Jimmy were a couple. So both Stevie and, and uh, Jimmy were encouraging Tom to write a song. And he'd never written a song for another person, and but he really respected Stevie, and she wanted to do it, and he thought it was a great idea. So he wrote Insider for that, and uh, and he was really proud of it because it's an amazing song. And he brought it to Jimmy Yovine, and Jimmy said, "God, when I said write a, a song, I didn't know you're going to write that." <laughs> I mean, Tom wrote, a, you know, just a masterpiece of a song, one of his greatest songs ever, and. Uh, so he did a vocal and guitar, and then the Heartbreakers put their stuff on it, and then Stevie came in and just did an amazing, you know, harmony vocal, which she's just brilliant at. And Tom said everyone was so excited except him when he was hearing it. He was thinking, he was getting really sad, like, this is too good, because the idea was it was going to be a hurrah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I got to tell you, finally, yeah, I got to tell you, this is so good. I don't want to give this away anymore. And he thought maybe she'd be upset, and she wasn't. She had totally understood. She's yeah. a songwriter and yeah. a sensitive person. And she said, I get it. Totally cool. You could keep my vocals, but that'll be on your album. But you got to give me something else. <laughs> Stop dragging my heart around. He just had already recorded. He didn't. Re- I always thought he crafted it for her because it's so perfect. He was just there. They'd already cut it. So she basically just came in and replaced some of his lead vocal and then sang harmony to what was there. And that's kind of her brilliance, too, that she turned that into a duet so perfectly because it seems like he wrote that for the two of them. But it was really the se- the second choice. But uh, he loved Steve. Part of the other problem was that when Stevie would show up at the studio, I mean, she would come, just show up a lot, and they were working, and she would show up. She always had nine or more, you know, women with her. She always had a big entourage, <laughs> many women with her. That, that, that happens to me a lot. No, yeah. dude, yeah. no dudes in the entourage. As you know, when you're doing a recording yeah. session and nine women walk in, yeah. that can be distracting for a band. So yeah. there was that, too. I mean, just when you bring that many women to a studio, it changes the dynamic, you know, and it was a guy's club, so needless to say, it just changed the chemistry. It wasn't any lack of respect for Stevie's greatness. He has nothing but admiration and I, no, love for her. I don't, like, I don't, like, again, I, this isn't intended to, like, throw anyone under the bus. It's just, it's how it was. Um, I do think that there were some really potent lines in it. Um, well, sort of hung up and overdue a little bit, like, just like, like, the, we, I think we live in a time, if, if Tom Petty were, if you could just, transplant them to this time and say they started in 92 instead of, or 95 instead of seven they started as 20 year olds for with wildflowers by the time they get to the point in their career where Steve, someone like stevie nicks is saying let's do a record and it's in these times i think they probably would have just done a one-off it was like it's easy maybe it's easier now and that's like the sense of like the sense of boys clubs and girls clubs changing and not being so tight is an idea that's sort of hung up and overdue and I liked, uh, there was another line, uh, we're overdue for a dream come true. Could, 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 be, could be this one happened twice. Two songs. Yeah. They got, they, we got two songs <laughs> because this one thing, this idea that we're talking about happened twice. Um, she's tired of her job with 
with Fleetwood Mac and the snow, all the, the cocaine. You are now ruining the song for me. <laughs> well, Albert is mean, deepening I mean, the song. I mean, I'm picturing you know, a woman driving her kids to school. It's, it's, it's in Chicago. That's snow what I saw, everywhere. too. Yeah. It's like just scraping the windows. I never like, thought just of. get in the car. We've got to go to school. She's like, I'm, I'm so tired of that. i got to go to California. Yeah. Well, I think you're closer to what the initial, the author's intention of the song is. You're living yes. inside the song, and it's great because that's what, if we had Tom Petty here, that's how he would be wanting. You know, he'd, he's inside the song. Again, the, the thing we're getting to do here which I never got the chance to do, you, Paul, got to do many times, was to have a conversation with the songwriter. And I would love to, you know, that's a question I'll ever be able to ask him. And it's a question, I'd, if he was here, a question I'd love to ask him, you know. And I'd like to imagine that his answer would be, well, let's do it. <laughs> like, is Stevie still around? Let's do it now. Um, but that time, that time has passed. I don't see that. No? He loves Stevie, but he was the songwriter in the band. It was oh, his band. He's I get a great it. songwriter. And as you might know, in Fleetwood Mac, there, Fleetwood Mac, there were some differences having so many songwriters. Oh, yeah. And, Seriously? Really? Did I, you know about I, that? I, I had heard about that. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Perfect Harmony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know about that. You know? Uh, so there was that. But I, I think he totally respected her. But the idea of kind of sharing his band with another artist of that level, yeah. I don't think that's what he wanted. Well, what do you think about that idea that in the thing that I wrote? That I just, I, I was thinking about, like, Tom Petty, young Tom Petty, is very androgynous. Hmm. He's like, he, like he's looks like a sexy freaky woman he, he in wore, a lot of he ways. Wore scarves. Not just that, just his scarves. bone structure yeah. and yeah. his the way he was. He was like beautiful <laughs> in this freaky way that was not macho. And in fact, n- at no time in t- like no matter how crunchy his music got and how there was n- like even when he was really angry, singing angry songs, love songs, they didn't feel like macho. They maybe sounded like even like you got lucky is pretty that's a, that's a little bit posturing a little bit, but there's still like I could see a woman singing that song. I feel like it like a lot of as a songwriter, I know that like sometimes for me, I can like I feel like the music comes from a dark and feminine place uh, and through the masculine body that I embody. And I just and I think about that about like I hadn't really thought about that till I wrote that piece. But like Tom Petty is holding the feminine energy in the heartbreakers while being you know he's being a, he's obvious this is not it shouldn't be heard by anyone as to say that that makes him less of a man it makes him more of a man it makes him more of a rock star it makes him more of a like what what it takes to be up there and hold that space for the whole audience and not and to be invite to invite people in so uh and but you're here, Paul. What do you did? How do you feel about like? Well, I think there's sense? a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think any songwriter, to be a really effective songwriter, has to blend in, you know the feminine and masculine dynamics in themselves. Feminine is so much about the emotional, musical, emotional parts of music, uh, which you can't write a song without that side of it. So you have to be able to blend those two sides. If you're a man that can't can't have any feminine dynamic in, in your in your in your life not going to be a sensitive songwriter. And Tom talked about this to me when he was growing up. His dad was a real macho guy. He liked to, uh, you know, growing up in Gainesville, he liked to hunt and fish. And he would insist Tom come along, and Tom hated that. He said, I don't want to go shoot something. That's the last thing he wanted to do. And his dad wanted him to be a macho guy. And... Oh, good, that's not mine. Guess, you, that's you, Dan Byrne so. trying to call, but we were goddamn Dan, Dan Byrne. He's always interrupting. Sounds like you too. <laughs> Playing the next. Dan's great. No, I'd... yeah, go on. Um, 
So he was saying how his dad, you know, wanted him to be a macho guy, and he said it was hard for him. And his dad was always doing these stunts to impress him. Like one time they were in the boat, and a gator came up to the boat, literally, and just to impress his son, he poked the gator's eyes out. Jeez. I mean, have you ever done that when a gator comes to the boat? Usually I move uh, away. Well, in West L.A., we don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not indigenous Or another to the time area, his dad but, saw a rattlesnake, he picked right. it up, and he swung it around and killed that rattlesnake. Wow. And Tom said, my dad was always doing wild things. He said, my dad was always... Uh, driving cars into a ditch. So often, I thought every everybody's dad did that, was driving cars into a ditch. His dad was seriously wild and unhinged a lot and scared Tom a lot. But at the same time, his dad was proud of him that he suddenly became a musician. Tom said, look, I wasn't into sports. I know my dad would have liked if I was sports. He was a very slender, gentle, sensitive guy. I mean, even in Gainesville, it was tough for him. He had long hair, and the only place he could get a job in Gainesville was at the grave as a grave digger. That's the only place they'll, they'll hire someone with long hair. So it was kind of tough for him being that sensitive guy. But it was when he found his music that he really became himself. And his father, even though it was tough, recognized that. His father gave him his first guitar, Estella, and was proud of him. If his father would have friends over, he'd call Tom over and say, Tom, play him a song. Which I was really happy to hear because a lot of the fathers of famous songwriters didn't do that and were really tough yeah. on their sons. His, his father was tough on him, but uh, welcomed the music. But Tom recognized that he needed to get out of Gainesville. He needed to get out of the dynamic of his father and away from him. And that was really important. He said years later, he and his father kind of reconnected, and his father took a lot of pride in it. But it was important for him to get away from that whole macho thing and be himself. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball on Feral Audio. If you'd like more information about the Pop Oracle, please check out our website at Radio8Ball.com, where you can find out about upcoming shows, about asking your own question on the podcast, and about our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed on Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. Until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Bomb.